Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good man. A lot of time. Which direction we are going. We have reached a tipping point. America and all the ships at sea, it is time once again for the tipping point. I am your host, Stephen Platinum, and I am joined by the other host, the venerable, road-weary, and of course, independently wealthy, Larry Goodman. How are you doing today? Whoa, 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 whoa. Where did that last part come from? <laughs> <laughs> I I just thought I would throw that out there because then I figure people be that way they can hit you up all the time for money and all those things. I, I've been kind of fascinated lately with um, lottery winners, like people who have like come into a lot of money and how inevitably their lives are just garbage. <laughs> I mean, like 99% of the people who sort of come into money suddenly, like through a lottery or something like that, um, their lives are just awful afterwards. And I'm, yeah. I'm just kind of fascinated with the notion of why that is. Um, so speaking of sort of inheriting something and maybe it being a mixed bag. Um, <laughs> so you're at Scenic City. That was the big story, obviously, of the weekend. The Scenic City, which has been, you know, a Georgia show of the year, even though it doesn't happen in Georgia because um, it's been just so overwhelmingly amazing um, the last few years. And while they certainly pulled it out, and it sounds like the second night went incredibly, um, it, that was, uh, were, you, were you worried about that, Larry, after the first night, that the second night was not going to go as well as also? Or were, uh, were you confident that the match, match quality was just going to carry it through? In a word, yes. I was uh, worried because I didn't um... – perceive the um stories that were going to carry the um mm. carry that second night and it was it was the weirdest thing to me because what really turned it for me was that um i I was going to say the word silly it wasn't a silly show but they had a throwaway future showcase and the little 5 foot 2 guy uh if he's even 5 foot 2 I question that but winning that tournament there was there was something really nice about that that kind of like kind of changed my attitude around going into the night show. But it wouldn't have, not that it would have mattered because the night two show was was really really good. Um, as someone uh, tweeted afterwards, 
PCO confirmed not human. That guy, mm. the match he had was just uh, Joey Lynch was just crazy. Um, and of course, the, the ultimate winner was Joey Lynch. Uh, you know, PCO he in the first night he had one of the better matches, right? His kind of like yeah. big man brawl uh, was just really, really great. Um, so for the people who aren't familiar with PCO, Larry, why don't you talk a little bit about him? Well, I mean, that's the old, that's the Quebecer Pierre Carlulet, um, who um, you know was in he was in WWE or was it was it WWF in those days when he was there? Yes. Um, and has yeah, he's, made this amazing... I, he's in his fifties. Is that correct? Or am I years... making this? No. Okay. Years he is. Old. He's fifty. <laughs> and uh, he would be a real interesting interview too. I mean, like to like what possessed him what to hell? make this comeback. <laughs> At, at this age, and That's wild. I mean, I, I, I've, I can't get out of my mind him taking a suplex from the top turnbuckle. Oh my God! On onto the ring frame. Um, that's not a bump for anybody to take at any age, and he no. Took, and he took a he took that uh, onto the ring frame along with a bunch of other stuff that he did. That and again, crazy. he's a big, he's a big dude. I can I cannot emphasize that enough. Like looking at those pictures, this is not I mean, if you're sort of used to what wrestling is now, and this is not me knocking it, but I mean it's undeniable. Guys are smaller now. Guys are, you know, built like swimmers as my wife likes to say. And and He's not a small guy, and he's 52, no. and he's taken no, that I, bump. I, I, and he, now, I, I may have exaggerated. I've just looked here, and they say he's 50. Okay, whatever. Oh, my um, shit. That's plenty old. But, but especially he's 20, for wrestling that stock. I mean, that's, that's crazy, you know? <laughs> but he's, six, he's, 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 he's easily six feet tall, and he's easily 250 pounds. And the yeah. thing of it was – one, he's a very he was a very cool guy to everybody from, from other folks that interacted with him backstage. I did not, but um, folks who did said, yeah, he was very cool. Um, and uh, I heard from the person who was with him the next day and drove him to the airport. And stuff is, he felt fine. He had he was showing no ill effects from this. So maybe Tough the guy's dude. not human. Maybe he's not human after all. Maybe he's but not yeah, human. Maybe whoever said yeah. that, whoever tweeted that, was right on the money. <laughs> Wow. But yeah, the, the second night was a um, real good show. Um, they really did pull it out uh, across the board on the second night. Now they do have a problem which they recognize, and which you know Scott Hensley is acknowledged going forward. Is they just, they just don't really have anything that draws the local people. It really is based on the hardcore fans that come from out of town to the show, and they showed no signs of uh, uh, slacking off. In terms of I gotta say this though, I, I got I gotta be a counterpoint on this. Now, this is just according to things that people that I know have said. They didn't try for the local market. They really did not make an effort to advertise okay. locally. Um, not I'm not gonna say in the least, but certainly that's something that's definitely gone by the wayside. I mean, you, um, you know, the roast. Did you go to the roast? <laughs> oh. <laughs> You, you, yeah. you, you want to know what you want to know what happened at the roast? Oh, I know. I mean, I wrote. Um, I, I I'm basically Jeff G's uh, writer <laughs> for the roast, so I got to hear all about it. Well, and you, you, you did a, you, yeah. you did a good job, but I, I wasn't going to say it on here anyway. That was just a tea. I, I wasn't going to say it on here. What what I will say about the roast though is it was 
very stiff, as stiff as the uh, platinum roasts I've attended, um, <laughs> very stiff. Uh, and it, it was just a demonstration of this sort of unique form of love that I th- – a form of love that seems to me to be unique to pro wrestling. Cause yeah. Clearly, these, clearly the, the people on the on the uh, on the panel, so to speak, were um, really, really are fond of each other. And well, um, I, I was going to say, I mean, it's undeniable, absolutely undeniable that Kyle Matthews. Uh, it's there are very few people who you would say are sort of universally liked. If if you don't like or respect Kyle Matthews, you are an asshole. Like I don't like there's you there's something wrong with you because that guy, um, you know, just of course he was on the show and he's phenomenal, but just everything about that guy, he's he's a man's man, you know, but not in a like a overt way, but just a guy who just has it together a guy who's at peace with himself just and um, it, uh, just a very nice way. I thought it was great. It's too bad, bad of course, he didn't get to wrestle and, and go out in the ring. But, I mean, that had to give uh, a, a certain air to the proceedings on the second night. I think there's just, yeah. you know, I'm glad they righted the ship. And I think Kyle Matthews was a big part of it, even if it didn't wasn't obvious to some of the people that were there. I'll just say one other thing about the uh, roast. A- Andrew Alexander has got to be one of the funniest motherfuckers on the face of the earth. He was, <laughs> he was absolute. To me, he was absolutely hilarious. Um, I mean, everybody was funny. Everybody was funny, but to me, he was just unbelievable. I didn't know he was had that, you know, but I do now. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, uh, you know, the other the other big news. Uh, oh, our guest tonight, by the way. Sorry yeah. about that. One of the one of them is Doc Brock, uh, manager at Southern Fried, most notably. And a guy with a bunch of interesting things going on in his life. Um, so we're going to talk to him, which will be great. And who's our other guest, Larry? If, maybe some people aren't familiar with the other guest. Dominic Garini, uh, Garini excuse me, uh, bru- trained in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu transitioned into pro wrestling he has appeared in georgia for action wrestling he was also on one of the scenic city invitationals he's been he's at evolve aiw um definitely making a name for himself in pro wrestling so it should be an yeah. interesting guy yes yes can't wait to talk to him you should, it's, he's someone definitely worth looking up i looked up and watched a bunch of his stuff and um uh you know i hate the term like he's the real deal but He's got a purple belt in jiu-jitsu and definitely not from any kind of belt mill. That guy is a competitor. <laughs> um, he's like top 10. And well, I, you know, I used to teach martial arts, Larry, and here's a weird little story. So at one point, the guy who, there's the guy who owned the school, but then the guy who really ran it was named Dan Magnus, who was like a kickboxing world champion. He's the, uh, the only athlete actually that ever had open heart surgery and came back and won a world championship. Uh, and he's the guy that I sort of cut my teeth with in Colorado in pro wrestling. And um, he uh, would send me to these like martial arts seminars. Once I started teaching martial arts at that school 
And I thought, oh, it's going to be great. I'm going to go here and get with all these. Because this is sort of like the budding days of UFC. And it's like, oh, there's going to be all these great seminars. Everything was basically how to con and hustle money out of people. <laughs> it was very eye-opening. You would think that a guy involved in pro wrestling, as I was, would have been more hip to that fact. But it was a real eye-opener. Like, oh, my God. All these seminars are like, oh, you know, how to make sure you have – a bunch of kids in your school and, you know, you got to have this belt system where they just constantly are being sort of fed the next carrot. So they'll stay in the school and sign up. And it was like, really like, Oh my God. <laughs> interesting. So, hmm. Interesting indeed. Um, hey, other, I got a, other, uh, oh, yes, please. Mm-hmm. No, I got a, uh, I, I wanted to make sure he got this in. And, and, and I sometimes I tend to forget things at the end of the show, but we got a scoop. A uh, very pleasant surprise to be able to say that Peach State Pandemonium is going yeah. to be returning to Georgia Wrestling History Radio. Oh, great. So um, is it going to be is Bobby gonna do, again? Or? Um, they're, they're planning on, um, and this is the original, this is the, the Jerry Oates, Mike Norris, Bobby Simmons crew that, was, that had been doing the show, uh, and they plan to come back tentatively set now for Thursday, September 6th, and they're probably going to do once a month. We'll see how it goes, but um, well, that's fantastic. the plan. Yeah, yeah. They said they had a lot Great. of people reach out to them, asking them about the show, you know, where they, did they have any thoughts about bringing it back, and they decided they're going to give it another shot. Oh, good. Uh, it's always great to have that show on board, and um, – and, all, you know, it's just a kind of a different take and a different opinion about wrestling. I always see, um, you know, I, Hankin's show is, like, mostly, like, young wrestlers who are still, like, in the thick of it and talk about Japan wrestling. And, you know, they're very much, like, sort of younger generation. It's great to have Peach State Pandemonium because, it's a, again, any links that we can have to wrestling's past is so essential. Because, I mean, even though we have more access to more footage and, you know, shoot interviews with Jim Cornette and all that kind of stuff is, a, is around. But I can't help but feel whenever I tune into Raw and just go, oh, man, we're in this crazy state where there's never been sort of a less connection to wrestling's past as far as the major stuff that's going well, on. Um, here's, so, a, here's a scary oh, thing, Steve. You know, at that roast, it was they touched on it. The uh, roasters... Andrew Alexander, Tank, Jeff Bailey, mm-hmm. Dan Wilson, Al Getz. Uh, Al Getz, all these guys are retired or retiring. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's not like they're ancient or anything, and they're already passing it on to the next generation of wrestlers, and these aren't old guys. I mean, Larry, we live in a world where they're backing up a Brinks truck to buy SmackDown. In the same month where Raw has drew the lowest ratings it has ever drawn. <laughs> Someone sit me down and explain that to me. How on the, you know, the July 8th show, they barely cracked 2 million viewers for, for most of the night. Well, you know the name of that game now, as long as their rel- ratings, r- relative ratings remain better in this fragmented uh, deal that is now um, 
media and television, they're still going to be okay. Yeah. Um, no. And, I mean, content is king, and and right now it's you know people are paying through their. No- Look how much money Netflix lays out for these right. stink bombs, Larry. They're giving Amy Schumer eleven million dollars for the most ill-received comedy special ever. I just, it's so fascinating that there's so much money flying around in certain ways. Yet, I mean, the, what's the biggest company going right now? It's Uber, who loses $120 million a year and shows no signs of ever making any money. <laughs> and yet they're valued the highest. It's a staggering time. And, you know, and of course, you know, Apple is approached, haven't they cracked the $1 trillion mark as far as yes. their value goes? They just tra- um, uh, cracked $1 trillion. As the uh, uh, United States not- debt will uh, add in the next year. Um, so yeah. it's it's a it's strange times are here for sure you know yeah um, yes yeah but before we get too deep into all that let's let's bring on the one the only the head man from JB Enterprises from Southern Fried Championship Wrestling Joseph Brock the third Doctor Joseph Brock the third welcome to the Tipping Point. It is I, Dr. Joseph Brock III. <laughs> it's so good to hear hear you gentlemen tonight. Uh, nice to be able to have a conversation with Mr. Platinum and Mr. Goodman. And I'm glad that I was able to give some of my time to you this evening. Because well, I am you tired. Being here. It's a long day. Oh, you had a long day. Uh, Doc, before we, get, before we really get going, um, for those who are kind of unfamiliar with what's going on in Southern Fried right now, kind of catch us up. Um, what is JB Enterprises doing? What are you doing? What are you focused on? What are you getting your guys focused on right now at Southern Fried? Well, we are currently in embroiled in a well, a feud of of, of sorts. We have been feuding with the 605 crew, Chris Nelms, uh, the new chosen one, I guess, uh, Rick Michaels specifically, um, in the faction of 605 there. Uh, Mr. Bill Barons has gotten involved over the last few months. Well, we uh, well we're tag team champions, Drew Blood and uh, Brian Kane, as you know very well. You know Brian Kane, uh, Mr. Platinum. Uh, yes, they are absolutely. my tag team champions, uh, Southern Fried Tag Team Champions. We were able to beat Mr. Uh, Mr. Barons' tag team of Slim J and, as I call Mr. Chris Cross, Applesauce, Mr. Marcus Cross, uh, a couple of shows ago, and. Uh, we're just right now just riding the top of Southern Fried in the tag team division. In fact, we just defeated the 605, uh, Rick, or the new chosen ones, the chosen ones, Rick Michaels and Chris Elms this past Saturday night at uh, the last show of Southern Fried's uh, tenure at the Noel Rec Center starting next month. Well, actually starting hmm. in two weeks, we will be at the Boys and Girls Club in Monroe, Georgia, which is – uh, right behind Felkner Park, where we have done Crossroads and a Shindig. Great location, great gym with air conditioning, which I always appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. Um, Dr. Brock, you know, uh, the, one of the things that jumped out at me when I first went to Southern Fried, and it has continued to this day, is the nerd chant every single time you appear in uh, those yes. people. Yes, it's... um. I don't know if I should be annoyed at it, 
Well, Dr. Brock obviously is annoyed at it, and I like to retort back that I'm not a nerd. I'm intellectually enhanced. But as far as me, who I am, and I'll kind of, if you don't mind, I'll drop out. It's hard to be Dr. Brock 24-7. I'd rather be me. Yes, please. Um, It's really, um, I'm humbled by it because it's consistent. This last Saturday night, I go out, and it's like, nerd, nerd, nerd. I'm like, wow, cool. It gives us a head start on our match. Uh, the fans are already anticipating something. Uh, they want to see me and my guys get humiliated and defeated. So it it is something I I appreciate. You know, I pitch a fit of it about it, obviously, but I do appreciate it. It's it's, it's kind of nice to know that mm-hmm. uh, the fans are invested in what I'm doing. And you know, we're an old school kind of group. We you know go back to I grew up watching wrestling in the late 70s and, and 80s, what I would consider the heyday of professional wrestling. I would good I totally agree, yes. And um, just loved, uh, you know, I would watch Georgia Championship Wrestling on, on WTBS when it became World Championship Wrestling. I, I continued on you know, from Gordon Soley to Tony Schiavone and the Crock of Stevenson, Jim Ross. Loved it. You know, guys like Jim Cornette. Um, loved, I loved Memphis wrestling, you know, Jimmy Hart. Love him. I guess maybe I'm kind of like him, one of those annoying guys. Hmm. I don't have a megaphone, but I do have a laugh. So <laughs> I try to do that. <laughs> well, I uh, just have a good old time. But it's really nice, though. I mean, the very you know, Larry, you and and Mr. Platinum, as you know, I mean, I've been yeah. there since near the beginning. Um, inside the first year, I, I've been there. And the first night at Southern Fried, it was like wow. I couldn't believe it. I walked out with not ever they have never no one ever seen me, and their chances were like booming. And I was like, "Wow, this is nice." <laughs> you know, they don't know me. There was a couple hundred people there, and so I was like, "Okay, this is going to be fun." And it's been a fun, fun adventure for me at Southern Fried and other places, but uh, Southern Fried is home to me. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy going there. Absolutely. So you know, I, I know I know Larry's going to ask you about like uh, some of the like things you do with basketball, which I can't wait to hear about. But uh, I, you know, I you and I we we've talked before. Uh, we've never really like spent a lot of time together or anything like that. Something that people might not know about you, um, just as a person, uh, but you're you're an incredibly decent person um, and an incredible caring person. How do you reconcile? <laughs> how do you reconcile being a legitimate, good-hearted person and being involved in something like pro wrestling? Which I know it sounds like I'm saying like because pro wrestling is the devil. <laughs> I'm not saying oh, that exactly, but you know I, I, what I'm I just, saying. I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> yes, I do. It was it's kind of interesting how I got involved in wrestling. 14 years ago, I'm a school teacher. I pastor, and I'm also a school teacher. Um, among other things, but 14 years ago, I was teaching in a school, and a gentleman came uh, to the school. Uh, well, I was there for a summer summer class, getting ready for the fall um, schedule for school. And he said, "Hey, would you be interested in taking part in a Christian wrestling show?" And I started laughing. I was like, "There's no such thing. I grew up watching wrestling. It's not Christian." He said, "No, no, no. This is something different." I said, "Okay, I'll try it." And I started out as a ring announcer. And so I did that a few years, a place called UCCW, and got involved. And sure enough, it was, it, it was a Christian wrestling show, but it was, it was more of a you know old school type wrestling show. But we would do devotions, or we would have a testimony time at intermission. Yeah. And you yeah. know, got involved in that, and and of course, in all walks of life, whether you're in pro wrestling or 
uh, working a, a nine-to-five job as a trucker or, or any aspect of life, there's good and bad that come with it. And, I, you know, I love pro wrestling, or I wouldn't be invo- involved in it because I have a very busy schedule. But, you know, I look at it as an opportunity for me to, to reach out to people that maybe wouldn't ordinarily be reachable by, in some respects, the mainstream society we live in. You know, and to a great extent, as you know, some people look down on uh, people who are involved in pro wrestling, the fans and the wrestlers alike. And, you know, I was like, you know, these are real people. These are everyday people. And I enjoy being able to get involved with them. And there's some really, really good people that are in, involved in pro wrestling. And you know, I just I enjoy taking part in that behind the scenes, getting to know people. You know, I, ca- I do care about people. And, of course, when I go out behind that curtain on into the – uh, to the live event, you know, Dr. Brock comes out and I'm doing what I do, but it's just a fun thing and I really enjoy it. And as you know, there are a lot of people you can meet in pro wrestling. A lot of people from all kind of walks of life. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, uh, Jimmy Powell on this show a while back, of course, who was also a pastor and has, for most of his career, portrayed a heel wrestler. Do you see any uh, conflicts, contradictions between being a, 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 a so-called bad guy in wrestling and being a pastor? Um, no, no, I, I don't. Now, I will say that there are certain things that I would not be comfortable doing. You know, you know, the, my language is not going to be something that I'm going to compromise who I am as a, an individual with my faith, personal faith. But, I mean, I'm playing a role. And at the end of the day, we're entertaining people. Uh, we want to. It's like a live action entertainment with uh, with physicality. You know, as long as I I have a certain lines I will not cross, uh, as far as what I feel comfortable with. But I do realize that what I'm doing is playing a part. Whether you know people do it in the movies all the time. I mean, there may be some movie movies that certain actors won't participate in because they just are not comfortable with it. But I, I don't see that as something that would be uh, contrary to my faith, because it, it's a story of good, good versus evil, and we're, mm-hmm. we're, and I'm a big proponent of. In the end, I like to see good triumph. As much as I may portray that my character and my group, we want to defeat everybody and we're better than everybody. At the end of the day, at the end of the story, the ultimate story, I take great pleasure in seeing the good guy prevail. At the, you know, I do a lot of things. I'll hit people with my ties. I'll, I'll choke them with my clip-on tie. You know, I'll distract. <laughs> I do everything I can to, to, to cause the good guys to lose. But at the end of the story, I get my comeuppance. Uh, my guys will, will lose. Whether it's you know the big finale, you know, like last Thanksgiving, the end of a great feud we had with Ty Sexton and, and uh, well, Rick Michaels was involved in, in Jeter. He was huge, very, very big man. Mm-hmm. I've been up close to my class, big, you know, um, and even uh, Todd's wife, Kelly. We, we we ended that feud. After months of, of coming out on top, we lose on Thanksgiving night in a cage, and all my guys are, are getting taken out, and I get choked out by, by Todd's wife, Kelly. And, of course, the fans loved it. <laughs> so that was the end of one story, and we come back you know, the next, you know, a little bit after Christmas, and we start anew. So, Southern Fried is, you know, in general a, a family-friendly show. To use the, you know, 
that overused term. Would you uh, avoid working certain types of shows separate from what you might be doing because of what might be being portrayed on the show as a whole? Um, a venue location is the big thing for me. Or if I if I think there's some very questionable content, I, I've got to be careful who I am because of my position as a pastor and, and people do know. Um, there are certain shows I've actually had to turn down. Drew Blood and I one time went to a show in in Statesboro, um, Georgia, down down south, where we were told it was going to be at a restaurant. Well, it turned out it was a, a bar. And right, I was going to ask about the bar show. Yeah. I, rem- I remember yeah. hearing that you wouldn't do the bar show, which made a yeah. lot of sense to me, honestly. Yes. Yeah, and I, and and I had nothing against any guy, anybody who was doing. It. I said I just I can't do that because of the perception of those. I wouldn't do anything. I'm not, I'm not a drinker, and I wouldn't have gotten involved in that. I have to be very careful of who I am as an individual in my position. I don't want to offend people unnecessarily. Um, not that I would judge anybody who did that show. I mean, go for it. Do what you need to do. But for me, who I am, I have to be careful of what I do. So, I mean, there have even been shows. Charles um, Anshu's God Rest His Soul, when when he was running Southern Friday, he had a couple of shows that he was talking about doing. I think he did one at a bar. And I yeah. just, I, said, I can't Charles. And he understood. You know, I supported the guys, but I just I couldn't do that for who I am. I just can't do I couldn't do that. So, uh, Doctor Brock, tell us about the uh, the uh, hidden side of Doctor Brock about what that has to do with coaching basketball. Okay, sure. I um, well, I've been coaching basketball now, high school, middle school, and high school basketball for eighteen years, and I love that working with the kids and. Over the years, I've had many kids I've helped develop. I've had a small part in developing that have gone on to play college ball or or even some pretty close to the professional level. Uh, Probably the most notable young man I coached. I I, I guess my claim to fame in this manner would be I was his first coach. I coached him in in middle school. A young man named James Frazier, J.J. Frazier, standout four-year uh, point guard at the University of Georgia, all SEC. Um, that was playing overseas professionally. A great kid from the little city of Glenville, Georgia. You know, probably the second biggest name to come out of Glenville, Georgia, other than the Sharp brothers, uh, Sterling and Shannon Sharp. And, you know, as you know, played professional football. But uh, young JJ uh, has done really well. Very proud of him. Um, I think he went to Italy last year after graduating from Georgia, University of Georgia and played professionally. And there's rumor that he is uh, may get some more try, workouts and tryouts with uh, several NBA teams. Now, I actually have one young man who just graduated uh, from my school, Appling Christian, Appling Christian Academy, that received an invitation to go try out this week, in fact, um, for the NBA D-League. He's going to be driving up to uh, Chicago, Chicago, Illinois tomorrow, in fact, that's why I was a little worried when we talked, Larry, yesterday about getting back in time. We were doing some summer workouts, so to speak, before he went up for the tryout. So it's a pretty neat thing to be able to have a part in helping these young men and women. I coach a young lady as well um, for basketball and volleyball, develop into uh, future citizens of this country and some play you know, athletic endeavors in college and beyond. Uh, Doc Brock, if you could, can you explain to people that wouldn't know what what does NBA D League mean exactly? 
Um, it's the developmental league for the NBA. It, it's fairly new, really. You know, back in back in the 80s and 90s, um, you had the CBA, which you know the Continental Basketball Association was sort of like that. But I look at the NBA developmental league. It's cool. it's sort of like the minor leagues uh, for Major League Baseball. They're trying to de- to develop it to where it's a inroad to a uh, develop these young players to go to the NBA. So it's not like they're playing semi-pro somewhere. This is something that the NBA has endorsed, and they use this to try to help develop a lot of these younger players that it seems like uh, more and more of these young players are going either directly out of high school, which I think is coming back again, or the one-and-dones in, in college that go into the NBA that are not quite ready for the NBA. So they, they're trying to use this D-League to these young players for the NBA. But look, I'd say much like the minor leagues, probably yeah. the vast majority of them will be perpetual minor league ball players, with a few select ones that will wind up in the NBA. Would be my guess. Correct. Awesome. So, um, to, to make sure we get this in before you go, um, what's uh, so? What do you guys have coming up? What's what shows are coming up for Southern Fried? Um, what's coming up for you? Okay. Well. Not this weekend, but the following weekend on the uh, 25th, we at Southern Fried will be hosting our first show at the uh, Walton County Boys and Girls Club there in Monroe, Georgia. And I have been told there's a big surprise return that I cannot mention that will be there that the fans will so much enjoy. Um, I do know this, that we uh, at JB Enterprises – Drew Blood and Brian Kane, as I have now collectively called the Thriller Bees, will be defending their titles with an open challenge. Anybody that wants to step up other than the 605, which we have vanquished, uh, we will defend those tag titles. And I also hear that Ike Cross will be defending his heavyweight title, I believe, rematch clause with Adrian Hawkins. And by the way, I don't know if you read the report, but the approved have a little issue going on. Bobby Moore has decided that he did not want to play ball and be a team player, and he turned on Adrian Hawkins at this last event at the rec center. A big, big deal. So apparently Bobby Moore has decided he is a fan favorite. But beyond that, um, I'll Tetsu Mikuji and I will be in – no, I guess it's not the 25th. It's the week before that. I gave you the wrong date. No one people show up play. I think it's the 18th, actually. It is the 18th. <laughs> the 18th. Definitely the 18th. Yeah. yeah. My fault. Ooh, I don't want to. Yeah, I was just looking that up to make sure. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I got my dates mixed up. August 18th is Monroe. August 25th, Tetsu Mikuji and I will be in Milan, Georgia, and Tetsu will be defending his newly won GWE heavyweight title against the Monster Pain. And. Uh, we'll be we there. We'll be there for that. Then September will be full of two two shows in 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 Monroe. Uh, August 11th should be interesting. By the way, Tetsu Mikuji. I'm taking that weekend off, but Tetsu Mikuji will be in Barnesville with Wrestle America, and he's be ta- he'll be taking off Vordell Walker. But there's another show I believe in Barnesville as well. UCW, which has caused a little bit of a stir with some folks. Yeah, um, we were going to be talking about that, that a little later tonight. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the rest I have of the, my opinions the... on that, but 
Unless you ask, I'll keep them to myself. Well, uh, <laughs> l- l- you know, we we we, we got to let you go, but I will. I can't pass that up. What's what's your thoughts on that uh, UCW coming into Barnesville and re- against and running basically running against WrestleMerica? Yeah, I, I th- to me, I think it's just. Uh, I don't know if I would call it a cheap shot, but I think it's in poor taste personally. Georgia's a pretty big state. You know, it's the biggest state in area you know, east of the Mississippi. Why would you run against a regular show that does pretty well when there's a whole lot of other places you could draw better? I, I'm afraid with the, all those big names that, that UCW has, somebody's going to lose a lot of money because Barnesville's not that big a town. I've been there, and it's pretty small. But I could be Yeah, wrong. I know. No, I agree totally. Larry, what what do you think about that, honestly? As a guy who's, you know, you, you've seen them all um, – I mean, I I agree with Doc Brock. I think Barnesville. I don't know if that's the kind of town that could support those things. But what do you think? Uh, I'm I'm with him. I'm surprised that Gossett chose that town because that wasn't one of the ones that I'd heard from him that he planned to run, and and it didn't seem like that good of a choice based on what we've already talked about with with Wrestle America running there regularly. So I'm surprised unless there was some sort of a special deal with the school. And I know that he's got to deal with the. Um, uh, the, the police department is in on it uh, is, as far as being a sponsor. So maybe that was what drove it. But, yeah, it's a big state, you know, lots of places to go. All right, before you let me know, uh, let me go, I want to please give me the honor to say goodbye like only Dr. Brock says goodbye. Yes, please. Go. I ain't Dr. Brock, and you're not. <laughs> Good day. <laughs> Bye, Dr. Brock. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> how do we segue from that? <laughs> well, I, you know, about the Barnesville thing, um, you know, it would make sense because, I, I mean, Gossett, I know. I know, Larry, you're 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 inclined to believe, and I, I know their last show went very well. I'm just I'm not convinced that Gossett knows what he's doing. <laughs> I know I know I tend to be this more cynical naysayer. I just I, I've never seen proof of like this sort of sustained thing that makes sense, and it's sort of decisions like that. If you've got a good thing going, I don't know why guys are so eager to sort of take over the world and fight on, you know, two, three, four, five towns. I mean, we can just list all the promotions that have suffered from running shows in too many places too fast. Can't we? You know, it's, it's so crazy to me, but... We'll see. I guess we'll, well see there, if he can pull it off. There was a rumbling of a problem with one of the participants at the last show, which I won't go into here. And I also understand that he they're they're uh, advertising three for one tickets for this show. Um, the other thing mm. that is, I didn't realize it was this close. These shows are literally two miles apart, running at the same time. The Saturday night. So there you go. Um, but right now, we are joined by 
Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu star, rising pro wrestling star, the bone collector himself, Dominic Garini. Welcome to the Tipping Point. How's it going, guys? Can you hear me? Here you yes, good. we yeah. can, Dominic. How are you? Awesome. I'm, uh, I'm great. Uh, just up here at the AIW Training Center, uh, taking some time off practice to talk to you guys. Well, cool. We we won't keep you too long. I, I got I wasn't familiar with you, so I I did a crash course. Looked up a bunch of stuff about you. Um, incredibly impressive. The the vibe I got right away. Um, I don't know if you'll take this as a compliment or not, but I definitely got like a Davy Richards vibe. Not that you're a clone of his or anything like that, but there's just this air of legitimacy about you. Um, you know, it, it helps that you both have the legitimate jujitsu background. Um, like the notable thing is that you're a purple belt. And for people that are not that familiar with jujitsu, um, what does that purple belt mean? What did you have to do to attain it? Cause I, it's, a, it's incredibly impressive. And I just want you to be able to explain to people that don't know what an accomplishment that is. Yeah. I mean, like I believe me. Being compared to Davey is awesome. Uh, you know, honestly, when you look at kind of like the shooter-based style that I use, a guy like Davey kind of one of the ones that familiarized him more into the American audience. Um, but when you look at like a purple jiu-jitsu, it's weird because most martial arts kind of rank up. They rank up belt systems very fast. You know, your American Taekwondo, your Americanized Taekwondo, things like that. You know, your 10-year-old cousin can be a black belt. Jiu-jitsu is a little bit different. Uh, jiu-jitsu is more about like the actual like physical sparring of it happening, you know, for me, I've been training almost 10 years now and it took me about seven to get my purple belt. Um, when it comes to ranking jujitsu is like no other, um, it comes down to just merit behind your skill on top of being able to actually put that skill to use. Um, I was very active on the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competition team for the, about seven of the nine years I've, competed though realistically the year I haven't would have been the year I started pro wrestling and my first year when I was really just learning how to be involved in it I mean anything I had done prior to my pro wrestling career was a trip for jiu-jitsu uh, a tournament on the weekend and it's not like pro wrestling like I know a lot of people are like oh you know I only go to this book and get 20 bucks well that's awesome because when I was doing jiu-jitsu I was paying 120 dollars to enter a tournament I was you know paying my own way to travel there and I was paying my way to stay somewhere if I was staying you know multiple hours away uh, Dominic, could you do a little contrast and compare uh, doing BJJ and doing pro wrestling? What works? What tra- what transitions and works well in pro wrestling, and what doesn't? Yeah, I mean, one of the most obvious things is my body control is probably a lot better than most normal people that would come into pro wrestling. I know how to roll properly. I know where to kind of position myself properly. I know how to kind of like command a squared circle for the most part, as most people would say because jiu-jitsu competitions, most of them are done on a square mat. So I'm used to, you know, kind of trying to stay center, do these things there. Um, one of the harder things to do is the big thing in jiu-jitsu is to not, you know, let out verbal outbursts, to not, you know, show if you're in pain, you know, because it's a weakness that, you know, your opponent can see or if you do a verbal outburst. Oh, a that's a great point. That. Yeah, yeah. A, a referee can misconstrue that as, like a, as a verbal submission. So a lot of, like, the primal screams you hear in wrestling, you couldn't do in jiu-jitsu because they'd be like, oh, well, we're going to DQ this guy because he's likely hurt. So, like, that's the big stuff. But the other big thing I came in was when I came into training jiu-jitsu, I was in great cardiovascular shape, even though, like, 
I don't look like the most in shape guy, but for me, I can kind of do anything just because I'm used to, you know, 30, 45 minute sessions of just trying to kill somebody, you know, you, you and a teenage going out there and just trying to diminish as many times as you can in 30 to 40 minutes. And uh, I was actually talking with Anthony Henry about this this weekend when hmm. I was traveling with him for Evolve. And it, it comes down to a, a bit of specificity training where we specifically have trained, you know, our bodies to, you know, work carrying another person and as well, you know, holding their weight and putting their weight in other places that, you know, a normal person coming in to start their pro wrestling training wouldn't be accustomed to. Yeah. Cool. I, you know, I, like there's no doubt. I, I mean, just if, again, people need to check out clips of you wrestling, there's, there's stuff that's there for everybody. Obviously, anytime you're doing any kind of submission stuff, it looks phenomenal um, in a wrestling ring context. The one where you caught the guy doing the 450, and the, oh, no, he was doing the shooting star press, and you caught him <laughs> in the triangle chair. It was so great. And um, one thing, though, uh, and – Again, this is what reminded me of Davey Richards because he was he was somebody I was familiar with in like the early parts of his career, and then as he evolved, mm-hmm. and once he, it actually took him he blew out his knee at Wildside, and then when he was sort of holed up, he he developed that sort of hunter character, like like you know the the idea of being like a somebody who hunts people in the ring, and it really kind of sharpened up his pro wrestling game. Do you, is that part of your development, you think, where you're going to develop a persona? I don't want to say, like, take on a character. Not quite that, but just, you know, what, what, what are you doing as far as getting yourself to the point where it's, it's pro wrestling, where it's engaging to somebody instead of just presenting yourself as a fighter, which, is, which definitely works for you right now. But do you have an eye on not necessarily a gimmick per se, but on developing sort of a personality where people are being engaged? Yeah, that's that's always something I kind of like have been like the thought process is and uh, my you know, my formal wrestling training comes from Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. Um and Johnny and me had always talked about kind of finding that style that like kind of ends up finally blending a little bit of pro wrestling in. And if you watch some of my more recent stuff, I've started to kind of introduce more pro wrestling elements into it. Um, you know, it comes back to taking on the guys that are kind of like the fighters slash shooters of, of yesteryear and, and doing some of their stuff. Uh, guys like Minoru Suzuki, trying to find stuff like that. It also helps that I've got a guy, you know, that I've gotten to spend a lot of yeah. time with this year in Tim Thatcher, uh, who I think blends that catch-as-catch-can style, almost like a fighter and also being a wrestler. Um, it comes down to this my gimmick is almost that, you know, I'm a fighter. So to me, me doing like her Karanas and me doing, you know, Lucha spots, which believe me, I know how to do. It was part of my training. Uh, they don't necessarily make sense, but it's finding those spots, finding ways to kind of like tweak them into like a fighter mentality, almost like, okay, well, if a luchador is going to jump off the ropes and catch someone in a, in a Rana, well, I could do that and I could catch him in a triangle, right? Thinking of things like that, like, I've always kind of said that my one of my main goals as a pro wrestler is to use pro wrestling as a platform to introduce Brazilian jiu-jitsu as a sport to, to the masses. And that's, that's kind of like where I'm at. And like, that's always what I'm thinking of doing. Where can I catch a submission? How can I do it? And how can like, I do it inventively? And people are going to be like, oh, wow, that's different. Because yeah. when it comes down to it, any kid that comes out of wrestling school is going to be doing the same 25 moves 
you know, how can I be different from that guy and how can that be like my specific thing? And that's kind of where like, I like to think that like my gimmick is the jiu-jitsu stuff. Um, but you know, obviously like Dave, like you said, Davey goes to that hunter, you know, obviously I'm going to start, you know, I, I've been turning heel in more places. So when I'm more doing a heel persona, I'm usually like limb targeting, using kind of more pro wrestling based limb targets, uh, things like Billy Robinson's style offense, you know, mm. things like that to become more like maybe almost mixed what's old is new again type stuff. Yeah. Um, Dominic, you recently uh, wrestled and defeated an accomplished mixed martial art guy, very accomplished, Tom Lawler, Tom Lawler at AIW. Could you uh, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, man, Tom, uh, I mean, Tom and me, we've been going at it and for about a year. Um, I, it kind of was one of those things where I, you know, I put a lot of stock into wrestling him the first time and I got beat. I went, I got a lot of victory. I got some victories back. You know, I beat Ethan Page a couple of times. I beat Juice Robinson, you know, current IWGP uh, North American champion. And I got the rematch with Tom and he beat me again. But, it, you know, by the end of that match, he delivered a clothesline to me and it hit my head and he broke his arm. So there was a little bit left there. And we ended up going to battle uh, at AIW's Absolution event in a dog collar match. And, you know, it got a little down and dirty, but I was finally able to get that win. Tom's been huge to my development as not only, you know, a character but as like a professional wrestler because Tom when he came in was the bad guy but by the end people he got himself so endeared by the crowd that I turned into the bad guy which is something because I was the good guy the whole time I was the hometown guy I was the student that everybody had watched you know evolve so to see that transformation to me becoming a bad guy was awesome and, and he helped me with that immensely yeah nice. I have a question really out of left field. What, yeah, the, what, what pro wrestling match have you watched more than any other? What's one that you've watched more than once? Um, what's your kind of go-to, like, oh, I just freaking love that. And, I mean, it can be as dumb as you want. Like, You're never whatever. Gonna I just want to know the truth. Like, what is it? Okay. It is El Generico and Kevin Steen versus Super Dragon and Excalibur from Cajun Death Six. <laughs> yes, oh, this is great. That one gets everybody. It really does. Why? Um, why it, that it, match in particular? That's a fantastic. I was hoping you would have like a freaking great answer. So, why that match? What what appeals uh, to you? When did you first see it? And then how many times have you seen it? And then so has that, that match, match evolved for you? You know. So, so that match happened in two thousand and four. I saw it in early 05. Um, it was right around the time I was discovering what independent wrestling really was. Um, you know, I was a normal kid that had finally found, like, some ECW stuff based on the WWE revival. Like, I remember I grew up in Florida. I was born in Ohio. I grew up in Florida. I remember watching ECW on, like, Sun Sports when I was, like, nine. So when all the ECW revival stuff in 04 happened, you know, I went out, I got DVD, and I was super pumped. And then off of that, I was able to search, you know, independent promotions, and I found CCW, which was the easiest one to find because they were running New Alhambra at the time, which was the old ECW arena. Um, and I bought KGS 6, and honestly, I watched the first, like, five matches, and they were just there. And then it was something about Kevin Steen that caught me, and that whole match, just, like, to me at that time, was so well-structured of a bunch of things I had never seen before. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is not the WWE, and this is awesome, and I really want to see more of this. And uh, over time, the match still progresses to be an amazing match. Obviously, all those guys end up doing so much more, but that was around the time where, you know, the Canadians and, like, Kevin Steen and Generico were, like, getting their shine, and 
that's when PWG was really first starting. And honestly, that's when that Mike Burns era CPW was really shining. Excellent. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, um, Dominic, we're, we're going to be seeing you down here in Georgia uh, on the 17th for action. And you've got Kane Justice that night. What do you know about Justice? What are your thoughts on that match? Uh, man, me and Kane, uh, we've got what I call like a little rivalry. I mean, we met twice uh, last year for CPF in Atlantic, um, once for the uh, Rise Generation League title. Um, Kane came out victorious in that one. And that was really a match that kind of put Kane and I like kind of out there to the fans. People had really never seen, like a lot of, like it interested me a lot of new fans because that was at that time CWF was probably at its hottest point. People that had never seen before saw it and people just, they loved that match. And um, it worked out that we were able to kind of set up a rematch. And it was the rematch was a little different. It was on 80s night, so we kind of wrestled a little bit of a different style. Because like the idea, the gimmick was like, hey, this is an 80s night. Like they don't know what MMA is yet. I'm like, okay, well, I guess we'll do some stuff. And I beat Ken in that one. But honestly, I think Ken and I are two opponents that when we go in there, his judo background, my jiu-jitsu background, his training with Trevor, my training with Johnny, um, it just it meshes really well, and it kind of turns into what it almost looks like an old like UWFI fight or match uh, where it, you know, there's a lot of really good starting there grappling and it pro- will progress into, you know, heavy strikes and, you know, slams. And honestly, Ken and I, some opponents are oil and water, but to me, like Ken and I are just peanut butter and jelly. We get along real well in there as in terms of match quality. And I know that Ken always has strong words for me and I always have strong words for him. And I hope his mom comes so she can see me tap him out. <laughs> uh, she is, uh, she's, hey, very, she's a very frequent uh, watcher of all the matches. <laughs> yes. Anything else you want to mention before we let you go? Um, not really. I mean, I'm really happy to come back down to action. Um, you know, Matt saw me for the first time last year at SCI, and you know, we had talked about you know getting something together. And uh, when Austin Theory wasn't able to compete in the last or the first action show, he called me. And I was really excited to get the opportunity, and I'm just excited to get the opportunity again. And I'm really excited to get the opportunity to wrestle Kane again. It's been over a year since we wrestled last, and Kane's improved a lot, and I've improved a lot. So I'm just really looking forward to it. Great. Well, it was a pleasure to talk to you, man. We'll definitely have you on again in the future. Uh, Best of luck with everything, and I know you're going to your training now. So have a good night. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Nice. Good get. Got, you know, Larry, um, you realize how long we've been doing this show um, in terms of months and years. Boy, it really sneaks up on you, you know. <laughs> yeah. When did, when did we start this with Miss Rachel? And was that three, four years ago? Almost Wasn't four it? years ago. <laughs> wow. No, no, I didn't know it was that long. No, I didn't know. And, and, you know, I feel like we're finally getting good at this shit. Back <laughs> <laughs> in time, huh? You know, no, like, how God, who are you telling? <laughs> <laughs> who are you telling? So, uh, so Larry, where are you going to be this weekend? Uh, I will be at WrestleMerica to see what goes down in Barnesville. That's the plan. Oh, um, Nice. I probably will be there and not at, at uh, UCW. I'm actually after I went to Wrestle America, they did really they did a really nice job of building up this show. 
um, and I'm, I'm, so I'm curious about a number of things that are going to be taking place there. So, um, yeah, uh, really, that really didn't have anything to do with UCW one way or the other. This, um, this is a show I want to see. Um, you know, the other thing that uh, we that I want to touch on right mm-hmm. you know, before we go here is in terms of uh, the the renewal of uh, promotional battles is what's going on in Canton. With, Please uh, tell us about that. Well, mm-hmm. GPW Georgia Premier has, you know, wasn't that long ago we had Daryl on here, Daryl Grissom, talking about their new building in Canton that they were real excited about and uh, their history there at the end of this month. Uh, the owner has made it made a deal with um, Dylan Freimeyer, who's associated with DDP, who wrestles his sunny days, also has wrestled in J- as James Dillon in, in, in the past. And the uh, owner of the building has, uh, ch- you know, basically changed his allegiance and decided he wanted to go with a different uh, person to run the wrestling there. And uh, GPW is headed back to their old building out there in uh, the old Buffington Gym. As of as of September, so. you know we had a we had a moment there. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Where it seemed like we had like kind of like a moment's peace, where like no one was really fighting with anybody, and no. even the more volatile groups were kind of like, eh, and at least people were doing a good job of pretending to like each other and et cetera, et cetera. But it never lasts for long. I think it's the very nature of pro wrestling. And the kind of business that it is, no matter how it's changed, no matter how it's evolved um, or devolved, depending on who you ask, at the end of the day, it's still guys who have performers' egos, and <laughs> and everybody thinks they know better, and everybody um, at the end of the day, you know, uh, are going to do their thing, and they're going to rub up against each other, and it's going to create friction. And I'm, this will sound crazy coming from me. I think that friction is good. You know, people always say, like, oh, everyone needs to get along. You know, I don't live in that camp at all. I live across town in screw you. <laughs> put, well, put your hands up and let's fight it out. Uh, I'm a big fan of because things just play out. They shake out in the long term. And, you know, if – you know, GPW, like, let the better show win. That's just how it is in wrestling. It will never be a thing where it remains stable and everybody respects each other's space. It's never going to be that on a permanent basis. It's just the nature of the beast. That's my opinion anyway. Well, and the new promotion coming in is going to run on um, Friday nights, is my understanding, rather than Saturdays. So they aren't, they aren't going to be running head up uh, against GPW. Um, and then one last one last thing before we go, of course, is Disruptor yes. Pro debuted in Cornelia Saturday night and evidently did draw uh, eyewitness report uh, that they had 125 to 150. Now, whether that's enough to meet the uh, expenses for Joey Ryan and uh, Simon Gotch is another story. But they did okay as mm. far as the actual number of people that showed up. Um, you know, the, but, the building has managed to have shows that have drawn in that hundred, you know, Southern Fry did pretty well and et yeah. cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you've got to wonder though, with and now being sort of an open secret that Dan is sort of on his way out as Booker of uh, Anarchy. 
I don't know. I mean, could we have a situation where I mean, I'm just I'm just speculating and putting this out there, where Anarchy is going to be outdrawn by the other shows that run in that building? I don't see that happening because they're uh, de-emphasizing uh, NCW. Mm. Um, you know, they've 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 backed off of running every week, and um, clearly the emphasis has shifted to um, Anarchy. So I, I think they're going to stay the, the premier group, no matter who comes in there. But you know, we shall see. I have one last question for you, Larry. It's a tough question. So, obviously, Phoenix City, you know, managed to pull it together and have a great second night. However, because of the time in the year where it takes place, which is in August, um, do you think that they're in contention for show of the year for this year? Um. Yeah, and it, it in my mind it's not because the two nights together don't add up to a show of the year. Um, um, c- certainly, parts of the second night definitely did. You know, were were awesome. But um, as far as being, can, can, you know, I don't think the time of the year is going to be the issue. I I don't think that for me it, it isn't that show this year. I don't think. Oh, that's interesting. So yet another category where it's going to be wide open, isn't it? What a, what yes. a fascinating three to four months it's going to be going to the end of the year. And uh, we'll be there to talk about all of it. Boy, it's certainly fascinating. Well, Larry, um, that wraps up another show. Special thanks to both of our guests. They're just both such interesting contrasts to one another, yeah. but both <laughs> really <laughs> but just providing, you know, just showing how diverse and interesting things are in Georgia wrestling right now. But uh, for Larry Goodman, I'm Stephen Platinum. Make sure that you check out all of Larry's show reviews and all the other news and notes on GWH. Let me make sure I say that right. GWHnewsandnotes.blogspot.com. Make sure you check that out. And make sure you check out the other podcasts that happen on this network, including the soon-to-be-returning Peach State Pandemonium. And Larry and I will see you in two weeks for The Tipping Point. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.